0: Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Ray, and you're listening to another episode of the Real Music Nashville Podcast. For this week's episode, I got to sit down over another Zoom call with Danielle Cormier. She is a local singer-songwriter here in Nashville, and she has an EP coming out called Reflection. And she actually just released a single off of that album out now on all your favorite streaming platforms. That song is called Missing Peace, so go go check that out and support her. If you have an album or a single that you'd like to promote on the intro to one of these podcasts, just email me at realmusicnashville at gmail.com and we can make that happen. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Real Music Nashville. It really does help us when we approach um, sponsorships and things like that. And we'd really like to be able to start paying some of these people that are producing this excellent content. Also, I wanted to give you guys a quick update on all the things Real Music Nashville is doing right now. Um, We just got done putting together some excellent content for Underground Music Collective and Music City Movement. So look out for that. I think they've released the first in a series called Fun and Games on their website. So go check that out. The Deconstructed Sessions are still on pause. And that is the live podcast that we produce here in Real Music Nashville Studio with Chad Wilson. Um, We're waiting for an official launch with this show. So we're putting together a website and all the social medias, getting them streamlined graphic packages, RSS feeds, everything that goes along with um, creating a podcast. So just keep an eye out for that. But we have some great news. Um, Our first official live production is going to be happening September 1st at The Basement. We are officially booked. Um, This series of shows is going to be called The Shred Shed, and our very first one that we put together is going to feature the amazingly talented female guitarists that we have here in Nashville. So far, we have Lilani Kilgore... Uh, Meg Williams and Haley Powers. I'm hoping to add Jax to that, just waiting on a phone call back from her manager. But yeah, September 1st, it's going to be a fucking great show and I really hope to see you guys there. Okay, that does it for updates and promos. We will transfer into the episode with Danielle Cormier with a clip off of her latest single, Missing Peace. I've
1: been waiting for someone like you to come around Take a look inside and turn it upside down
0: Thanks so much for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, I guess we'll just jump right into it. The first thing I wanted to uh, ask you is, do you watch the UFC at all?
2: No, but I know what you're about to ask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that a million times. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The yeah, the heavyweight is Daniel Cormier. Do you pronounce your last name the same way?
2: Cormier. Yeah, I would love to like connect with him somehow and be like, <laughs> hey, like get asked this question all the time, yeah, I don't doubt
0: it. Um, yeah. As soon as I saw that, it was like, when I first got the email from, um, I guess it's your manager or something saying that you wanted Mm -hmm. to come on the show. I was like, why the hell does Daniel Cormier (laughs) want to, I was was very confused. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well anyways, uh, if you could, I guess I sort of start these episodes the same, um, Uh, If you could just sort of give us a background, just a a general, like where you've, where you come from and your, like your journey to Nashville, what brought you to Nashville, Mm -hmm. Um, just for listeners that may not know, you know, exactly who you are.
2: Yeah. So I'm originally from Pinehurst, North Carolina, which is just a bunch of golf courses and retirees. (laughs) So... grew up there and then I went to college in New York City um, to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy and studied musical theater and in my last semester kind of realized that the acting part of that wasn't really for me um, but I'd always written songs and I played piano and guitar and Nashville just kind of felt like the next move Um, and so I called my mom up one day in my last semester and was like, "Hey, I think I want to move to Nashville after I finish here." And she was like, "Okay, sounds good." And so after I graduated, yeah, a few months later, packed up my bags and moved here, and I've been here for 5 years now. Um and then released my first full-length album a couple of years ago featuring Peter Frampton and now getting ready for this EP. So
0: That's a really supportive mom to just be like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, she's the best.
2: She's always <laughs> been my biggest supporter and helps me figure out anything and helps, you know, push me to reach these goals. So
0: was there a driving factor behind you um deciding on Nashville or was it just a whim or did you look at it and you were like, well, you're not really country. So, I mean, did you see, yeah. well, that's like two questions in back to back, but <laughs> I mean, was, so was there something, um, that, that, you know, drew you to Nashville?
2: Yeah, I kind of had some connections here before moving here. Um, so it had always kind of been in the back of my mind. But yeah, you know, when I made the announcement, I was moving here. Everyone's like, oh, so you're a country singer. It's like, well, not quite. Um, but it had always just kind of as much as I loved living in New York, it I realized quickly it wasn't the place I was meant to live the rest of my life. So moving here, I think was definitely the right move. I had never been here before the day I packed up my car and drove, um, but I love it. It's, I always say it's a big city with a small town feel. So it was like the best of both worlds of like small hometown in New York City. But yeah, it was just those small connections I kind of had and then just wanting to see where it could go.
0: Were you aware that... Um so I get this a lot from people that move here. you know, they mm-hmm. look at Nashville and they think of it as just like a country town. Were you aware yeah. that um, were you aware that there's other you know there's um, you know a significant amount of other genres of music in in town?
2: I don't really think I knew that getting here at first. I was just ready to hit the ground running and just see what I could do. Um, but after playing the rounds and like networking was when I started to realize like, okay, it's much bigger than country music than it was before. So.
0: Yeah. And that sort of leads right into the, the next sort of set of questions I had when you got here, you said you had some connections and stuff and you mentioned writers rounds. Mm -hmm. Um, did you have, like did you find a community immediately when you got here through those riders rounds or was it mostly through the connections you had here already
2: it was definitely more through the riders rounds um the connections were just kind of a landing pad i guess you could say or like a jump start um that is just kind of like somebody that i touch base with every once in a while you know it's not someone who's helping I wouldn't say helping, but like introducing me to all the people or whatever, it was definitely going out there myself and going to the rounds and meeting other writers that were similar to my style and going from there.
0: As someone that is, you know, not from Nashville, are writers rounds? Cause I, I've always wondered this because um, I, I've, I was born and raised here. Are writers mm-hmm. rounds um, like a Nashville centric thing? Are they specific to Nashville?
2: I would say so, because I'd never heard of them before getting here. I, when I was first moved here, I was told you need to go to writer's rounds and you need to co-write. And I did not know what a co-write was before (laughs) moving here. I wrote all my songs by myself. Granted, again, growing up in a small town, you know, you just do it in your bedroom, just write your songs and with your guitar. Um, But yeah, it was going to the writers rounds was definitely, I remember my first writers round, I went up to somebody I was going to be playing with. And I said, can you just explain what this is to me? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, could you, you definitely learn it when you get here.
0: Could you take a second and just sort of explain to anyone listening what a writer writers round is?
2: Yeah, it's basically like an hour long. You'll have like three or four artists up on the stage at the same time. And you each take turns playing a song. So you probably end up playing three or four songs and you just go back and forth up and down the line and tell your stories and sing your songs.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's like an open mic, you know, it's a really great Mm -hmm. place to start out and well, not even starting out. I mean like sometimes you can run into like some pretty famous people at those things.
2: Yeah, for sure. I remember one of the first rounds I did actually it was at the Commodore Um, I was playing the open mic because you had to do the open mic before the writers round and a huge songwriter that I, his mind, his name is slipping my mind at the moment, but he just in the middle of everything just went up and played several songs. Like it was really cool just to have that experience.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, so when you started doing these writers rounds, would you say that's, did you find a sense of community there or do you think you found your place elsewhere in Nashville?
2: Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I, especially moving here, not knowing anybody, um, the writer's rounds, and then also, you know, have to pay the bills some way. So you're getting your part-time job or your full-time job and doing that as well. So having that job plus the writer's rounds definitely helped for my community, but in also two separate ways because the job I had and have most of those people aren't in music. So it's nice to kind of have that separate community as well. And then the writer's rounds are definitely where I found my people to create with.
0: Yeah, I guess it is. It's probably a good thing to have people in both worlds. You know, you don't want to be oversaturated all the time.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So I mean, do you how do you feel about co-writes? Have you had a lot of experience with those? Or do you prefer writing on your own?
2: For the most part, I write on my own. When I first got here, I had a really bad experience where it was an eight-hour write and nothing happened. Oh. <laughs> and it, that definitely like turned me off for a while. And then after my first album came out, I was like, okay, I think I need to start writing with people again. And people that I knew and that I was friends with that I just hadn't really approached them in the co-writing capacity. I was asking like, okay, I need to do this now. Like, will you write with me? And it's been great. Like I've had way better experiences now than in the beginning. It was rough
0: for someone um, uh, for someone like that might be thinking about starting doing co-writes and things. Mm -hmm. What do you think went wrong in that eight hour session where, and also why did you go for eight hours after like the first two I'd have been like, okay, this isn't working. But I mean, what I, do you, what do you think went right or or went wrong there? And then like you had better experiences later on.
2: I, it was rough. I think I came into the right with a ton of ideas and the other person just didn't really like them. And so it was trying to find a middle ground between the two and we had originally gotten A writing space at ASCAP, I think. And so then of course our time ran out because it's a four hour slot. And so then they were like, well, why don't we continue this elsewhere? And so that's why it progressed. Um, But it, yeah, it was just not finding that middle ground. And I think I always like to meet potential co-writers like for coffee or something first as well, just to get a sense of who they are, get to know them a little better. And I think that definitely helps, too, before actually just going into a right, which, if I remember correctly, we did not get coffee beforehand. Mm -hmm. So that also could have been an issue as well, just not getting a sense of who they were before getting into the right.
0: Okay, so some good advice would be to maybe don't go in cold, sort of have a relationship with the person, and then uh, you might have a better idea if, if you might gel or something.
2: Yeah, for sure. And lesson learned, never do an eight hour co-write. Unless it's going really well. But but don't if you sense it's going wrong, just to end it.
0: Right. Um I wanna talk about reflection, your new EP coming out, but before that I feel like I need to address some of your, your past work as well. Mm-hmm. Um Fire and Ice, your is that your first and only full uh LP right now?
2: Yeah, that's my only full length.
0: And um uh, so, and you wrote the, or I'm sorry, uh, Adam Lester, um, mm-hmm. uh, was the engineer on that. How did you meet him and get hooked up, uh, uh, with his recording studio?
2: I met him through a previous management company I had been working with. Um, and I was supposed to actually work with him and another producer. They were going to co-produce it together. And then the other man was, had to drop out last minute. And so Adam was like, well, I can still do it and it I mean we just clicked right away everything he took my songs and just made them bigger than I'd ever hoped for them to be and it we just worked really really well together
0: so would you say your sound normally is like um stripped down bare bones like acoustic style and so when you say he he made them bigger did he add what exactly do you mean by that
2: so, yeah, when I play out, it's just me and my guitar. I still am working on trying to get some sort of band together. But he, you know, there were some arrangements that needed to be fixed, some lyrics that needed to be tweaked. And then from there, he just kind of grew it with adding in all of the instrumentation and just exceeding my expectations, you know, drastically. It was incredible what he did with the songs.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is amazing what I, um, the right engineer can can do for you you know Mm -hmm. and um and what you can learn from them too while you're recording
2: yeah absolutely
0: um well speaking of learning from him what do you think um what do you think you took away from that first recording uh you know recording your first album
2: he definitely helped me learn like the sound I was trying to go for and you know I've continued to build on that and find that and also like with my songwriting cuz on that first album I wrote all of those songs myself except for one that he wrote for me um and you know just the little tweakings that he would do with my songwriting and he would explain what he was doing that definitely helped helped me shape you know the way I kept writing after that too
0: That's interesting yeah so yeah it sort of helped you m- maybe um... I don't know, like how to form songs uh, better or something like that?
2: Yeah, I definitely have a tendency to maybe add in like, you know, a little more. I I focus on syllables when I'm writing. So sometimes I'll try to squeeze in a little more than there should be. Uh, And the phrasing and things like that. And so he would be like, you know, take out the unnecessary words. Like you don't need an and here or, you know, the it like the little, little words here and there. And then it just fixes the phrasing so much. And just, you know, it's simple things like that, but you don't think of it when you're writing it. You're like, oh, that sounds so great. Like, I'll just squeeze it in here. It'll fit just fine. It'll make, it makes sense to yeah. me, right? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, that's really great advice to uh, really tighten things up, you know, and the reason I ask questions like this is because I really hope that other Nashville artists might be listening, you know, and and get some good advice from other people's experiences. Yeah. Um, so, that album was called fire and ice and it's like, you know, it has a duality in the, right in the title. And, and, uh, you've been quoted as saying, um, you know, it's sort of like your yin and yang and it was themes that you were dealing with heavily in your life at the time. Um, what experiences like specifically did you draw from, um, that sort of led to an album that has such like a divisive title? I think, you know, at the
2: time, There were, at the time, I always said I don't write happy songs, so a lot of them were these very moody, you know, the title track, or not the title track, the first track, Walking in the Dark, was one where I was experiencing it, and uh, friends of mine were as well, just trying to navigate, for myself, trying to navigate Nashville, and, like, you know, coming in blind, not really knowing what I was doing in a way felt like I was walking in the dark and just trying to figure out like where I was going, what, what to do, where to go, just things like that. Um, And then, you know, the title track itself, fire and ice is more relationship based of feeling like the person is kind of your opposite, but knowing that like, it shouldn't be that way or, you know, they, it's like the fire and ice you should Not be together when you
0: are, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, I mean, I think everyone's been in that type of relationship. Yeah, (laughs) at some point (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to fire and ice because I still have like one more question about it. But uh, you mentioned, you know, when you first got to Nashville, you sort of felt like you were walking in the dark, didn't really know where to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and and like I mentioned before. I always want good advice, um, from artists on this show, uh, for Mm -hmm. other people to sort of draw from where, where did you sort of end up? Like, how did you end up finding where to go and kind of what are some places that you would recommend?
2: I think finding them was originally just, you know, Google, just searching, (laughs) like trying to find anything. And then, then specifically, you know, looking for the writer's rounds, obviously everyone knows the Bluebird. I did that a few times when I got here. Um, but Belcourt Taps was the first place I did my writer's round. And I did my release party there for Fire and Ice. Like, I love that spot. It's such a good, small venue, but just there's a real intimacy there and there's a great networking. Like, this, the same people tend to frequent, but you can always find, like, some great talent there too um and you know it was again just finding things online which can be tricky too but when you find you know certain artists that plays there you go okay well where else are they playing and then you're finding you know douglas corner and you know the commodore and all the different writers rounds that you can find across town
0: yeah yeah so that's sort of your your home base then i guess is that yeah um yeah. That's a, I don't think I've ever been to that venue, but uh, I've never done writer's rounds. So that makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's a great spot. I love it.
0: Um, So getting back to fire and ice, the last question I had about that was um, obviously how did you get Peter Frampton to feature on one of your songs?
2: Yeah, that's all thanks to Adam. Um, Adam is actually his lead guitarist on tour um, or when they were touring and When we were in the studio, Adam kept saying that Frampton wanted to be a part of it. And I was like, that would be amazing. Like, that'd be really cool. But then nothing ever came of it. And we finished recording. And I was like, okay, like, I guess, you know, that's fine. And they left to go on their summer tour. And Adam was like mixing the album in hotel rooms. And apparently Frampton just came in one day and was listening to the album and just said, like, oh, I want to do something on this. And did the solo. I get an email of the final mix of the song. And Adam is just like, oh, by the way, Frampton put a solo on it. And my jaw just (laughs) dropped. And I listened to it, like, tears in my eyes. Like, I was just so grateful. I'm so excited. Um, But, yeah, that was how it happened.
0: That's hilarious. Oh, by the way, uh, Peter Frampton, a legend, is on uh, your track. Uh, Just in case you were wondering. No big deal, you know. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Yeah, you've had... So that's crazy. A legend on one of your songs. And then you've also released a Christmas song that got like three million. It's way over three million views now, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, What was the name of that track? And what do you attribute the massive popularity in that, that track compared to your others that you've released?
2: Yeah, it's called Christmas Is You. It was the first... Christmas song I released slash ever wrote I always say it's the hardest song I've ever written Um, and the reason it came to be was actually like my hometown radio station told me they couldn't play my music because they only do like top 40 hits and things like that but he said if you write if you release a Christmas song we can put it into our holiday rotation and I was like oh okay so at first I was trying to see if I could cover a Christmas song and then I was suggested, well, why don't you just write one? And that just seemed like such a very daunting task to begin with.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Because, yeah. Cause you want to make it original, you know, you don't want to say the same things that every other Christmas <laughs> song says. Um, but I just went for it. It took me three months to write. It was a very long process. Um, but the popularity of it was honestly just luck. I, I, you know, as an artist, you can submit songs through Spotify on the back end for playlist consideration. And that's all I did because I had other songs on Spotify and, you know, there may be a thousand streams like it wasn't huge numbers. Um, and then one day I saw that it had gotten put on a Christmas playlist in Denmark, I think is what it was. Huh. And I was like, hmm. Okay. (laughs) So then it started getting traction on that playlist. And I remember Thanksgiving day that year, um, it got put on Christmas hits and I was like freaking out. I was like, how does this happen? But it was just such a cool experience because you would never think of all the songs you release that a Christmas song would kind of take off, but it's been really cool. I've, I've gotten fans just from that Christmas song that it's just a really cool connection to have with listeners.
0: Yeah, I've always been told that um, Christmas songs, like holiday songs and stuff, they're sort of like evergreen because they come around once a year. And so you'll mm-hmm. see you'll see a big pop every year in that same, uh, you know, area that you've been that same song, you know, that you've released for that holiday or whatever. Um, but, yeah, talking about uh, uh, Spotify playlists, I don't know much about that. Uh, it's because i have ne- not, you know, obviously I've never released a song and tried to get it put on a playlist. Um can you sort of go over the process of that? And then you said, you also said like it got picked up by another. So like, how does that happen? Do people that run these playlists just uh, find a song they like, and then they pluck it and just keep adding?
2: I don't know too much about it. It's kind of, vague in some ways and again a lot about luck especially with spotify because you can just submit it yourself and i can only imagine how many submissions they get a day that they go through whether or not they actually listen to them um but the playlists that the christmas song was put on were spotify curated playlists both of them so somebody at spotify did take a second to listen and say okay like we'll add it to this see how it does whatever um, but there's other websites that you can reach out to that do Spotify playlisting and it's real people just like you and me and they will give you feedback on to whether or not they're going to add it to their playlist and you're going to get a lot of no's, which is frustrating. Um, but sometimes you get a yes and then you'll get a few streams from that and then hopefully their listeners will save it and like it and go from there.
0: That's interesting. So is there like a whole... Is there like a whole um, sect of marketing that focuses strictly on pitching uh, people songs to playlists, almost like people pitch songs around Nashville, you know, for artists?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really dived into it too much, to be honest, but I know there is like a whole subset of marketing just for playlists. Um, I've just done like what I can independently as much as I can.
0: Right. Yeah. You got to wear all the hats as the artist.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely.
0: So um, let's get into Reflection. Um, That's your latest EP, five songs, and it's coming out August 20th. -hmm. Are you doing um, any releases like singles uh, building up to it? Are you going to release each one individually?
2: The original plan was to release everyone individually, um, but then we decided just to do two singles. So Missing Peace is coming out June 25th. And then Riverside comes out July 23rd.
0: Awesome. And I know you wrote this in 2020 during the, Mm. uh, you know, infamous pandemic that we're hopefully coming out of now. Um, Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, How was that year for you as an artist and as a person, I guess?
2: There, it was a roller coaster. um, For sure. There were a lot of things happening, in my personal life. And then of course with music, I mean, I still haven't played, it's been over a year. I was doing Facebook lives and Instagram lives kind of in the beginning of quarantine, just to kind of keep it up. But that all dies down eventually. Um, And then at the beginning of quarantine, I had been trying to get this EP started and recorded and just kind of putting feelers out to other producers and things like that. And I had gotten some criticism on my songwriting, constructive criticism. So I had to like take a step back and really just refocus on how I was writing songs. And that's kind of where, that's where Missing Peace and Riverside came from. And then from there, I kind of like started to gain my confidence again in songwriting. And then the rest of these songs came. But they're all like 2020 and the emotions going through 2020 were all a big theme of this EP and my father passed away last year as well, which there's a song on the EP. That's all about that. And yeah, it was all of my emotions from that year are in this EP.
0: Wow. Um, is there like a through line? Does it uh, in the EP? I mean, like a, you know, you said it had, it, it captures all of your emotions from that year. Is it, and you said it was a roller coaster. Is the album sort of a roller coaster? Does it have sort of a uh, like a I don't know, start off soft and then move into uh, maybe a, another song? If it was representative of a different emotion. Uh, do you know what I'm trying to say?
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, the main emotions are like love, loss, grief, um, and then wanting to move on, or like the readiness to move on. And those are kind of the emotions that are played on throughout the whole EP and kind of takes you on a little journey.
0: Um, so how are you? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. For an album or an EP, anything to take you on a journey. That's really what you want. Um, how, how, how are you planning on like promoting it um, since you said you haven't played live still since 2020? Um, how are you? Are you going to do more live streams or...
2: Um, I don't honestly I haven't really thought about the live streams, but I am like getting ready to start playing live again. Like I'm starting to feel more comfortable with COVID and everything, and especially with more venues doing outside shows. Um, so we're starting to gear up and reach out to venues. So hopefully I can start playing, I guess, within the next month or so to start kind of promoting this and getting it on people's radars.
0: Um, what's it been like reaching out to these venues? Like, what does it feel like when you reach out can you get a sense of how venues are feeling and how are they opening wide up or are they sort of taking it slow and they're not too sure?
2: It seems like they're opening up, but the other issue is that, you know, shows that they had last year that were canceled are the ones that are taking priority. Uh, So it's a little harder to schedule your own shows when everyone's like a year behind at this point.
0: Do you have like, um, favorite venues that you, uh, would prefer, prefer to start promoting this album at? Um,
2: like anywhere or specifically? Well, I mean, like-
0: i just like, who, do, who, who do you reach out to? Cause I know you do writer's rounds and you said you feel at home mm-hmm. there and stuff. I didn't know yeah. if maybe you would stick to those areas or if like, um, I don't know what venues do you feel most at home at, I guess, other than, or, or is it the writer's rounds is like your home?
2: I mean, I I do a little bit of both or had been doing a little bit of both. I had been leaning more on like the solo shows before COVID, but definitely I'll be getting back into the writers rounds and, you know, Belcourt Taps, like I said before, there's this great spot in Cool Springs that I love to play at um, within this area, some places in Midtown, you know, and then hopefully if there are some venues that are open, in other States, that would be awesome too. (laughs)
0: Um, Have you, have you put together a, um, like a little, any type of tour and anything around the States and around Nashville before?
2: Not well, when the first album came out, I did a little bit of touring. Um, It was mostly, you know, Nashville area and then back in North Carolina and some different cities. And then also did a couple shows in New York. Oh, nice. Um but now with this EP like I'm trying to map out like more routes with more more cities. So yeah. We'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that's always uh yeah, trying to trying to beat a new path for venues to create a, you know, like a tour is always an interesting experience. And each oh, yeah. band, yeah, everyone, every artist in each band sort of has their own um uh, experience with that uh, I've found talking to different artists and everything but mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, I wish you luck on your first you know putting that together that'll be a lot of fun
2: thank you yeah
0: <laughs> so let's get uh, I have more questions about the live streams you said you did some of that what was your experience with the live streams because um, everyone sort of has a different opinion on it
2: I liked it for the most part it was definitely a good way to just kind of like practice and keep up my like skill um but it's the one the biggest downside is that you you know you can see people are watching but like you know when you end a song it's silence on your end you're not getting like the clapping or whatever you can see little comments flying by but it's not there's not that interaction you have with an audience like a live show um so I think that was the hardest part the cool thing though was having family members be able to watch because you know families in other states they're not gonna be here in Nashville to see you perform all the time so that was nice to be able to like share that with them but yeah having kind of a a show for one for most of it was a little a little hard
0: okay yeah so it sounds like um maybe you didn't have too much success or I don't want to say success but like you uh, maybe not such a positive experience with them then
2: yeah I mean like I wouldn't say I hated it but I wouldn't I mean like it was okay you know it was just like you get to try out new songs you have some people watching but it's that feeding off of a live audience that's like one of the biggest things for me so not getting that from a camera is a little (laughs) difficult
0: So it's like going to a methadone clinic when you're a heroin addict. You're like, okay, I just need like a little bit of something.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) um, So getting back to reflection, um, would you say you have a favorite song off of this album? And if you do, is there like a backstory behind it or something that you could share with us?
2: I think... My favorite is probably Riverside. Um, it's It was heavily influenced by Graham Nash's Our House. Um, I mean, the lyrics, the, the story, the premise, I guess, is the same because it's about a house. Um, but my ba- the story behind it is, you know, finding the house that I currently live in with my boyfriend. Um, and we were house hunting one weekend he was house hunting. I was helping, I should say, (laughs) and came across like Riverside Drive is one of his favorite places in Nashville. And we found this house that was for sale. And I was like, well, let's just go check it out and fell in love with it. And then like a week later, he got the house. And now we live there together and we've been creating this home. And it was just, the song itself is about the journey we've gone through in turning this house into a home um but I just love the production of it too it's more folky than the rest of the songs on the album which I really love and the there's a steel guitar in it that I just absolutely it's like one of my favorite parts of the song um but yeah it's just a really chill kind of love song that again I it took me a while to start writing happy or love songs <laughs> <laughs> so this was it's probably one of my favorites that I've written
0: You, uh, you spoke about loving the production in it and um, uh, I know you perform like more bare bones and everything, but Mm -hmm. do you have uh, plans on putting together a band or anything to back you eventually?
2: I hope so. Um, I'm still in the process of kind of figuring that all out. So I, I think ideally I would love to have like a trio. I think that would be really cool. I've always said, and me personally, I for my music, I'm not the biggest like drum fan. Like, I only want it if it's absolutely necessary, yeah, or like percussion. Um, so I feel like an acoustic trio would kind of be really cool for the sound that I strive for and what I do with my songs. So, just working on finding musicians to play.
0: What do you envision? Cause yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think you'd want like full drums for you, uh, your sound. What do you envision? Like the trio, maybe fiddle and, and I don't know. What, what do you think?
2: Um, I've always thought like a fiddle would be really cool. Another guitarist because I can't do all the fancy stuff. I'm just a strummer. (laughs) Um, and like, maybe like, um, is it the Cajon? The one where you sit on the, a little percussion uh, yeah. instrument?
0: Yeah, it's like uh, well, actually I don't know what that's called, but I know what you're talking about. It's like, like a the little, box. Yeah, it's yeah. like a little box that you sit on. <laughs> I and feel so bad drum. that I can't
2: remember <laughs> the name of it at the moment. But that kind of thing. Just to have some sort of percussive sound, but not yeah. a full drum kit.
0: Okay. Well that that's that sounds fun. Uh yeah, I would like to see a live production of i don't know i would just like to see you after listening to the album you know i would actually it would just be interest, interesting to see how you put it together live um so yeah i mean whenever you actually do play live let me know and i would definitely yeah, love to come see um um all right so thanks again for coming on the show Dan- danielle i almost called you daniel cormier <laughs> <laughs> um uh i'll give you the end of the episode here to plug anything that you want but um Uh, I, I, in the episode, the same way with the same couple questions. And um, uh, is there any, is there any advice that you would give a Nashville artist that's, uh, you know, coming up through just like you did and are still, um, what kind of advice do you think you would give?
2: Keep going. You're (laughs) going to get a lot of no's before you get a yes. It gets really discouraging sometimes, um, but you just have to keep, keep putting yourself out there, keep playing, keep networking as much as you can and your time will come for sure.
0: That's great advice. Yeah. Just don't stop. I was talking to, um, was that, I think it was uh, the guitarist from Flight Attendant a couple days ago. He was on the show and Mm -hmm. he told a story about how, uh, you know, he was at a show and the the kid up there was like, all right, well, I, I gave myself a year and uh to make it and this is the last set and i'm moving back home and it's like dude a year like that's not enough time
2: not enough time at all (laughs) like yeah you have to give yourself way more time
0: yeah so just everyone out there just keep keep grinding man get yourself a part-time job or full-time job and just keep hitting the writer's rounds
2: absolutely
0: And, uh, uh, the last thing I always ask my guest is, uh, because I'm trying to, you know, build a sense of community with this show. And like, um, I really hope that all the artists that I interview will promote each other and, and eventually come together. And it's sort of like a, you know, a a little network community type thing. I always ask, um, you know, what's a Nashville based artist that you know of that you think, um, the listeners should know about?
2: Ooh, trying to think there's this cool like jam band that came out of Belmont called Waker. Mm-hmm. Um, they are really fun to listen to. I think if you're into like the jam band type, it's not your traditional Nash- Nashville musician, I would say, um, but they are definitely fun to listen to. I would check them out.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Jam bands are awesome. Yeah um well thank you so much danielle for coming on the show Um, thank you so
2: much for having me
0: yeah no problem um take the end of the episode plug anything that's coming up and and where we can find your new album reflection or ep i'm sorry and uh yeah just anything you have coming up i want to know about it
2: uh i mean yeah the ep is the next big thing august 20th um First single comes about next month, Missing Peace, June 25th, and the music video as well for that. And you can follow me at Danielle Cormier Music on all the social media platforms. And yeah, that's pretty much it. But thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks again for coming on. And uh, yeah, that's the episode. I'll see you again. Tell me next time you're playing live and we'll come out. I will, for sure. uh, Yeah, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. All right, see you, Danielle. Bye. And that was the episode with Danielle Cormier. Go check her stuff out on all your favorite streaming platforms. She has a new single out, Missing Peace, and her latest EP is coming out, Reflection. So keep an eye out for that and go support her. And don't forget, September 1st is our first live show that we're putting on at the basement at 9 p.m., that's the Shred Shed at the basement at 9 p.m. September 1st. Meg Williams, Leilani Kilgore, Haley Powers are on that bill currently. And they are all just excellent female guitarists based here, here out of Nashville. And that is the objective of this show is to highlight incredible guitarists that are right here in Nashville. So we'll be, sending, um, we'll be producing more promos for that as time goes on and then the date actually gets closer because right now I think it's like three months away. But that is how long it takes to book a show here in Nashville. Most venues book about three months out. But yeah, we hope to see you September 1st and, uh, you know, stay tuned for updates on that. All right, we will transfer out of the episode with a song off of Danielle Cormier's last album, Fire and Ice. This is called Can't Quit You.